Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I'm really happy to tell you I have another comment. And this comes to us from the west coast of Canada on Vancouver Island. So we get some international comments here. It says, thank you for the wonderfully inspiring new series on JBL. Moby Dick was taught in my younger years, and it is refreshing to revisit the classics. May God continue to inspire you in this great work. So I think that was that's a really, really great comment. And so those I like. So I could take some more of those, though. One, one isn't enough. So, so on our last podcast, Grant and I finished our program then with the discussion of chapter 16. Now, today we have to uh, move forward a little bit. We're going to uh, begin our discussion with chapter 19, and we're going to try and get through 20, 21, and maybe skip up to chapter 26. So we'll see how, we'll, we'll see how good we are doing this. All right. Now, uh, we wanted to cover 19 last time, but there's too much to cover sometimes. All right. So um, one of the things uh, where we ended the uh, discussion last time was uh, Peleg warned, he warned uh, Ishmael to never say that Ahab was a vile name. <laughs> and uh, uh, towards the end of that chapter then, uh, you know, I guess we'd have to agree that Peleg admits that Ahab can be kind of moody. And uh, he's really psychologically disturbed, <laughs> we're going to find out. But anyway, the, the famous line, it's on page 89, that all of you just need to circle. And, and uh, it's, he, he said to, to Ishmael as Ishmael was leaving, better to, sm- better to sail with a moody good captain than a laughing bad one. <laughs> so, so that's as, that's equal to it's better to sleep with a cannibal than a drunken Christian. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, I think Melville is good at those little things. All right. So, chapter nineteen, I think, is the most unique chapter in the in the book. And so, uh, would you like to start on this one? Well, this chapter is titled "The Prophet," and it's just another instance of foreshadowing. There's so many things in this book where there just seems to be foreboding <laughs> predictions of the future where, you know, they stay at an inn where the man's name is Coffin. Um, this, these are things Ishmael's even recognizing as he goes along. He sees those tombstones uh, in the church. Uh, now now he's <laughs> talking to this prophet. They find out his name is Elijah, and he's asking them, are, are, are you about to go sailing on that ship? <laughs> It's and it just sp- gets suspicious. It's kind of spooky, isn't it? Right. <laughs> just some random man came up to Ishmael and Queequeg and started questioning them and saying things that should have set off a lot of a lot of alarms for them. Right. Right. It, but it's. It, I, I, I think what you're what you're pointing out is really good, and and uh, uh, um, we kind of talk about this in class. But 
to, to, for Melville, this was a real spiritual book. It wasn't just a book about a whale. And he's, he's searching for something deeper. And it's, it's like, what is really under the depth? You know, it's like, it, it's, you know, some people, well, Conrad used the, the jungle as darkness and what's behind the darkness. Well, it's like he uses the water, you know, and, and uh, you know, so, uh, so but, but here, you know, we had a sermon by Father Mapple. You know, we were in a church and now we have a prophet. <laughs> And he uh, doesn't reveal it immediately what the prophet's name is, but it's it's absolutely amazing yeah. when he goes through it. So, so anyway, um, I, I think it's funny how how they interpret this. Um, uh, Ishmael, I think he has some really funny things to say. It, 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 he really paints a really colorful picture of the guy. In other words, when he says, "Shipmates, have you shipped in that ship?" And he says he leveled his massive forefinger at us. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's a sword, it's a knife, you know. And uh, uh, then Ishmael says, well, we have signed the articles. The next question is really amazing. He says, anything down there about your souls in the articles? So, so uh, to me, that's like Melville is, is you know, thinking... He says it more than one place in the book about souls, that men don't have souls, you know. And, of course, we know, uh, you know, from the Bible that there is no immortal soul in a man. And, uh, but, but your soul is your flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're in a living soul, and all souls are going to die <laughs> from that standpoint. Uh, you know, but, uh, but there is a human spirit, and that's, that's the only spiritual thing in a man. But it's not the man. And it's something in the man. So, uh, so anyway, um, Ishmael then looks to Queequeg. He says, let's go. This fellow is broken loose from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Should be in the asylum. Yeah. Should be receiving care right now. Yeah. But even if you look at the Bible, you know, you look at uh, all the great prophets. You know, you look at Isaiah. You look at Jeremiah. You know, you look at some of them. People thought they were crazy. And they weren't. They were they were just being led by God, you know, and and uh, we're 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 learning. The more you study the Bible, the more you realize they were prophesying about our time, mm. and you can see our time just vivid in it. You yes. Know? So, so, uh, uh, but anyway, they just wanted to get they just wanted to get away from. Him. And notice then he stops them, and he uses the word avast. I use the word stop, but it's it's a <laughs> it's a nautical term. Stop, you know, avast. He says, "You haven't seen old thunder yet." And they, Ishmael just, what? What are you talking about? And he says, Old Thunder is Captain Ahab. And so, so essentially, this prophet is beginning to reveal something about Ahab that's true. But they don't want to hear it. You know, they don't want to hear it from him. And uh, uh, Ishmael even comes back and says, well, he's sick. You know, poor guy's sick. He says, you haven't seen him yet? Well, no, he's sick. And, and then the uh, prophet says, He'll never be right," <laughs> he said. "When my when my left arm is right, he'll be right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is obviously a lot more that this is. It's about a lot more than the missing leg for Captain Ahab. That's yeah. not that's not his main problem. No. Yeah. No, it's it's not. And then uh, uh, then he reveals to Ishmael what his name is. He says. Well, Ishmael says, what's your name? And he says, 
Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ishmael freaks out. <laughs> yes, and so this is the part where he, the prophet sort of starts being coy with them, which is what I would say is different from the biblical prophets. He just keeps repeating, good morning, 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 shipmates, good morning, when they try to ask him for more information. He just keeps ignoring their questions and repeating that phrase. So he's it's almost like he's being purposely annoying toward yeah. them. But but who is the prophet that dealt with Ahab right. in the Bible? That's a good point. Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah knew Ahab's problem. <laughs> and here this Elijah knows Ahab's problem. But but uh, uh, essentially then Ishmael, you know, they get away and they say he calls him a humbug and a bugbear. And the word humbug actually means a dishonest person. So he's lying to him. And then a bugbear is a boogeyman. He said, so, so he's just a liar and a boogeyman. And so, so uh, you know, there, there are some people that actually look at God's prophets that way. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's not right by any stretch of the imagination. And well, so, yeah, it seems like Ishmael should really be taking... Elijah more seriously here because Elijah has clearly met Ahab and Ishmael can't say the same. He's never met Captain Ahab. Elijah has. Elijah knows better. Even if he's not a real prophet, he clearly knows enough about Ahab to, to have quite a bit of credibility here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So so anyway, um uh, let's 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 just finish now with 19. I think that's enough to get everyone interested in reading it. So let's see if we can go on now to chapter 20. And uh, um, I, I think we hit everything in there that we can. So to me, chapter 20 is it's one of those basic chapters that um, it, it's one that's worth reading because there's some other characters in here as well. But there's I think there are some chapters, if you're really interested in whales, you might want to read some of the chapters on cetology and, and uh, you know, the, the science of whaling and things like that. But, but we're going to skip those. I mean, uh, the whole book is worth reading for all you listeners out there. I'm not trying to knock the book at all. I'm just trying to get you to the high points where you can really understand what's going on in the book. But uh, chapter 20 is called A Stir or All A Stir. And essentially what Melville does in this chapter is he describes what it takes to get a well ship ready to sail. And it, it takes a lot of work. And uh, one of the things that you could mistakenly think in the book is that the biggest, uh, maybe the biggest evil or the, the biggest destructive thing in the book is are whales when actually it was weather as well. I mean, going out, it, 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 the ship was going to be gone for three years. So they had to pack enough food, they had to pack enough water, and they had to leave enough space so that they could put the whale oil in. So if you're collecting whale oil for three years, that's a lot of whale oil. And so, so actually these ships were marvels of uh, invention. There was, there was really nothing like a whale ship and America just excelled at the you know the invention of it and what I mean they had you know places to keep the oil they had places to keep the food they had you know they had to boil the oil so they had like uh, you know big uh, 
stoves and furnaces on the ship without burning it down, you know, kind of thing. But but they really had to fight all kinds of weather. And so so essentially what he does is he lists for us what needed to be on the ship, what, what you had to put on it. And it took them days to put all those things on there, and they had to have spares for all of their tools, for all of their... <laughs> boats all their equipment that could so easily go down in a storm like you said or in a mighty battle against this whale right they could easily lose a lot of things that they have to have on the ship so they had to have backups for all of their for all of their belongings yeah in the history of the essex the 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 whale that killed them really destroyed them was huge he totally rammed the ship and then he jumped on it broke it in half the thing burnt to the ground because it, the whale oil caught fire. So it burned in the sea. And then they, 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 they uh, grabbed a few sails and they left, the, uh, they left the ship and they put them in the whaling boats when they had sails. The whale tracked them down and killed them. And only one, one whaling boat survived. You know, and so, so th- these things were real. And uh, so, so some of the things they put on ships, they put uh, the old the old sa- uh, old sails had to be repaired. They brought new sails on, and then they also uh, brought on bolts of canvas because they were going to have to repair sails. I mean, if you're gone three years, I mean, just the, even the ocean environment would be hard on canvas. Definitely. You know, the salt and the sea and the the. Uh, the uh, the sun and all that, so so they had, you know, all those things. Um, I just said, you know, of course, the, there's fierce winds, there's horrific weather. Um, and notice it says there in this chapter that Peleg stayed on board uh, in his wigwam to watch over the hands, and so he wanted to make sure they got the, everything done, you know, because they had to get going, I guess, by a certain time. But notice who does the purchasing. Bill Dad. <laughs> Bill Dad. The penny pincher. Right. <laughs> the guy that doesn't want to. That's another bad sign, it seems like. Maybe. I mean, obviously, he's trying to be mindful of all the investors in the ship, like which includes widows of those who had died in the sea before, but it doesn't seem like this is an area where you should be scrimping. No. No, I think he's just a cheapskate <laughs> myself. Um, but they, they did have to have a certain crew on. There were men in the hold that were packing everything in. They were those working on the rigging. They, uh, those guys had to work, you know, day and night practically. Um, then, as uh, as Ishmael says, the message went out to all the local inns that the mates, the mates' chests had to be on board the, uh, before night. And uh, so uh, uh, there was still no exact date when they were leaving. It says so. Ishmael, then he, what he does is he gathers their things and they head to the ship. Uh, but they decided they weren't going to sleep on the ship until it sailed. <laughs> they still wanted their counterpane and their <laughs> and their their bed buddies. You know, <laughs> wise, wise choice. They had a yeah. huge bed too. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so the, the the whole list of everything that they had to have on there is on the bottom of page one hundred four. Uh, they'd have beds, saucepans, knives, forks, shovels, tongs, napkins, nutcrackers, and whatnot are indispensable to the business of housekeeping. Just so with whaling, which necessitates a three-year housekeeping upon the ocean, 
uh, far from all grocers, coaster mongers, doctors, bakers, and bankers. So you had to think they had to have certain like bandages and you know ointments and and you know everything. And uh, so so anyway, they they just had. Can you imagine what they had to think about to to make sure they had they were ready to go out for three years? But the funniest thing in this whole thing is this chapter continues to page 105. It says, um, hence the spare boats, spare spars, spare lines, harpoons, spare everything's almost, but a spare captain and a duplicate ship. <laughs> the only things you can't possibly duplicate. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take it. The the, the other reason I, I like this um, like this chapter is, is uh, you know, in chapter 19, uh, Captain Bill Dead takes he really takes a rap, you know he really gets smacked, but he's I I think there's some redeeming qualities there and that's his sister, <laughs> right a different so, person a different person, <laughs> chief among those who did this fetching and carrying was Captain Bill Dead's sister, a lean old lady of most determined and indefatigable spirit but with all very kind hearted who seemed resolved that if she could help it, nothing should be found wanting in the Pequod after once fairly getting to sea. Uh, at one time, she would come on board with a jar of pickles for the steward's pantry, another time with a bunch of quills for the chief mate's desk where he kept his log, a third time with a roll of flannel for the small of someone's rheumatic back. So she's, she's taking care of everything. Never did any woman better deserve her name, which was... Charity, charity, and they all called her Aunt Charity. Aunt Charity, <laughs> and notice it says Aunt Charity bustle about hither and thither, ready to turn her hand and heart to anything that promised to yield safety, comfort, and consolation to all on board ship, in which her beloved brother was concerned, <laughs> <laughs> and she herself owned a score or two of well-saved dollars. So. So she is, I think she must have had some investment in the ship. But it says, but it was startling to see this excellent-hearted Quakeress coming on board as she did the last day with a long oil ladle in one hand. So that's how they got the oil out of the whale. And a still longer whaling lance in the other. <laughs> so she's got a lance, too. And as for Bildad, he carried about with him a long list of the articles needed. And at every fresh arrival... Down went his mark opposite the article upon the paper. So, in other words, if it wasn't on his list, it wasn't going in the ship because he's not paying for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, then uh, poor Payleg, he was running about the the ship. It says they're roaring at the men down the hatchways, roaring up to the riggers at the masthead, and then he concluded by roaring back into his wigwam. <laughs> I, I want to choke every time I read that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, anyway, it, it goes on there at the end of, of this chapter. It's really a quick chapter, but it says, During the days of preparation, Queequeg and I often visited the craft, and as I often asked about Captain Ahab and how he was and when he was going to come on board a ship, to these questions they would answer that he was getting better and better, and was expected aboard every day. Meantime, the two captains, Peleg and Bildad, Bildad, could attend to everything necessary to fit the vessel for the voyage. Listen to this. Uh, Ishmael gets some, some, some second thoughts. He said, 
If I had been downright honest with myself, I would have seen very plainly in my heart that I did but half fancy being committed to this way to so long a voyage without once laying my eyes on the man who was to be the absolute dictator of it. So soon as the ship sailed upon the open sea, but when a man suspects any wrong, it sometimes happens that if he be already involved in the matter, he insensibly strives to cover up his suspicions even from himself, and much this way it was with me. I said nothing and tried to think of nothing. And so, uh, to me, that's that's a Melville comment on human nature. When you suspect something's wrong, there could be something wrong. <laughs> yes, and normally that, that thought might have more of an effect if you weren't already involved, if you right. hadn't already signed the contract. That's That's the issue. You have to sort of you're stuck now you're committed to it so you don't want to have all the negative thoughts yeah even if maybe you should try to desperately get out of that commitment right so, right anyway it's a tough it's, situation to be in it, very tough very tough so uh anyway uh he never saw ahab but he quit thinking about it yeah he should have really thought about this more before <laughs> signing the contract before. that's yeah. the issue yeah yes all right so that's see that's a quick chapter so so uh, let's go into chapter 21, going aboard. So um, Ishmael's always got these details. At the end of the last chapter, he says, At last it was given out that sometime next day the ship would sa- certainly sail. So next morning, Queequeg and I took a very early start. <laughs> so so they, they cut their short night. They, cut a, they had a short night. Uh, as, but as, notice on chapter 21, it says, Going aboard, it was nearly 6 o'clock, but only gray and perfect misty dawn, and when we drew near the wa- near the wharf. But notice what what uh, Ishmael sees. He says there are some sailors running ahead. If I see right, said I to Queequeg, it can't be Shadow. She's off by sunrise, I guess. Come on. And then what do they hear? Avast. <laughs> guess who's back? <laughs> He said, a vast cried a voice whose owner at the same time coming close behind us laid a hand on both our shoulders and then insinuating himself between us stood stooping forward a little in the certain twilight strangely peering from Queequeg to me. It was Elijah. <laughs> so Elijah shows back up. So here's ch- chance number two. And this part is haunting because... Elijah asks Ishmael if he saw the four or five figures up ahead, but then when Ishmael asks, asks Queequeg later if he saw those people up ahead, Queequeg never did. No. So Elijah somehow saw it or knew that Ishmael saw it. Ishmael saw it. Then when they both got to the ship, Ishmael and Queequeg never found four or five people down there. No. Even though that, even though Ishmael saw them up ahead. Right. It's really mysterious. Yeah. It's like. Ew. What it is gives, that all about? Yeah, it gives me chills to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I know what happens, but I'm not going to say right now because <laughs> we want to save this one for later. All right, going aboard, he says. <laughs> and he says, hands off, will you, said I. And then Queequeg actually starts talking here. He says, looky here, said Queequeg, shaking himself. Go away. <laughs> and going aboard then? Yes, we are, said I. But what business is that of yours? Do you know Mr. Elijah? Would I consider you a little impertinent? 
No, 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 I wasn't aware of that, said Elijah. <laughs> Slowly and wonderingly, looking from me to Queequeg with the most unaccountable glances. Elijah said, I, you will oblige my friend and me by withdrawing. We are going to the Indian and Pacific Oceans and would prefer not to be detained. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah. I love the, the, the classy way he says it, though. Yeah. But notice he says, yet be, be ye? You're coming back before breakfast? Oh, no, that's funny. He says, so you're going to go to the Indian Ocean, and you're going to go to the Pacific Ocean. So you're going to be back before breakfast? <laughs> and notice Queequeg. He's cracked, Queequeg, said I, come on. Aloha, cried stationary Elijah, hailing us when we had removed a few paces. So you gotta, you got to just follow this. It's so funny. I think we have time for this. This is probably uh, critical. Never mind him, said I, Queequeg, come on. But he stole up to us again and suddenly clapping his hand on my shoulder said, Did you see anything looking like men going towards that ship a while ago? <laughs> He's making it really spooky. He's a boogeyman, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Struck by this plain matter-of-fact question, I answered saying, Yes, I thought I did see four or five men, but it was too dim to be sure. Very dim, very dim, said Elijah. Morning to you. <laughs> see, he does it again. He starts saying morning over and over again. He's leaving. Yeah. He's going to start walking away. He says, once more we quitted him, but once more he came softly after us and touching my shoulder again said, see if you can find him now, will you? Find who? Morning to you. Morning to you. <laughs> How annoying would that be? <laughs> Sorry, you want to deck a prophet? Oh, it be tempting. <laughs> he rejoined again, moving off. Oh, I was going to warn you against, but never mind. Never mind. It's all one. All in the family, too. Sharp frost this morning, ain't it? Goodbye to you. Shan't see you again very soon, I guess, unless it's before the grand jury. <laughs> he keeps walking up to them to do this, to keep saying good morning. See, yeah. it's just, he is just trying to provoke them as much as he can, which maybe maybe that is the best thing he could do because he yeah. knows something bad's going to happen. Yeah. It says, and with these cracked words, he finally departed, leaving me for the moment in no small wonderment at his frantic impudence. At last, stepping on board the Pequod, we found everything in profound quiet, not a soul moving. The cabin entrance was locked within, the hatches were on, and lumbered the coils of rigging anyway. Um, I don't need to read all that. It says, the sailors we saw, Queequeg, where can they have gone to? And, and said I, looking dubiously at the sleeper, but it seemed that when on the wharf, Queequeg had not at all noticed what I now alluded to. Hence, I would have thought myself to have been optically deceived in the matter, were it not for Elijah's otherwise inexplicable questions. And uh, he says, but I beat the thing down again, marking the sleeper, jocularly hinted to Queequeg that perhaps uh, he had best sit up with the body, uh, telling him to establish himself accordingly. So when they got on the ship, there was a guy sleeping in and Queequeg sat on his bum because it was soft. <laughs> Apparently that's what he, they, he used to do back home. They, yeah. they, they'd buy like 10 fatter, lazy men and, and then and then just tell them to lie down in different positions so, so that they, they could, could sit on them or lie down like, on top of them. <laughs> they're like couches. <laughs> so he says, gracious Queequeg, don't sit there, said I. Oh, Perry, do it seat, said Queequeg. My country way won't, won't hurt him face. <laughs> <laughs> so any say uh, 
he says, while narrating these things, we'll skip down here, every time Queequeg received a tomah from me, he flourished the hatchet side of it over the sleeper's head. What's that for, Queequeg? Perry easy. Killy. Oh, Perry easy. <laughs> Why does he want to kill him? He was going on with some wild reminiscence about his tomahawk pipe, which it seemed had in its two uses both brained his foes and soothed his soul when we were directly attracted to the sleeping rigor. The strong vapor now completely filling the contracted hole, he began to tell upon him. He breathed with a sort of muffledness, then seemed troubled in the nose, then revolved over once or twice, then set up and rubbed his eyes. Hola, he breathed at last. Who be you, smokers? Shipmen, answered I. When does she sail? Aye, aye, you're going in her, be you. She sails today. The captain came aboard last night. What? Captain Ahab? Who but him indeed? I was going to ask him some further questions concerning Ahab when we heard a noise on deck. Whoa! Oh, uh, Starbucks is stir, said the rigger. He's the lively chief mate, that good man, and a pious but all alive now I must turn to. And so saying, he went on deck, and we followed. It was now clear sunrise. Soon the crew came on board in twos and threes. The riggers bestirred themselves. The mates were actively engaged, and several of the shore people were busy in bringing various last things on board. Meanwhile, Captain Ahab remained invisibly enshrined within his cabin. All right, so any final comments? Well, it's just it's just interesting how there's still suspense about Ahab, even even now as they're on the same ship as him. They still haven't seen him, and there's they see everyone else coming on board, and they still don't see Ahab, and they also don't see the people who were ahead of the, walking ahead of them no. that Elijah told them about. No. So it, no. it just the chapter ends making you wonder and making you want to read on. Making you want to read on. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today's program. On our next program, Grant and I will begin chapters 26 through 30 and so uh we don't want to reveal what's going to happen but you don't want to miss that program so you can buy moby dick at amazon.com you may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com you may be also be able to find a copy in your local bookstore of course you can also check your local library so please write me any comments to jbl at pcog.org you can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.